Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. As the year draws to a close, it's worthwhile having a look at what might be in store for tillage farmers for 2023. There are many changes which farmers need to be aware of, not only the fact that we are entering a new cap or payment structure, which will come into force in January, but there are also other areas such as the nitrates directive which must be planned for. More immediately, grain prices have reduced dramatically since harvest, but there doesn't seem to be the same reductions in fertilizer prices. In the view of these changes, the recent Chagas Economic Outlook Conference predicted tillage incomes to halve in 2023 in comparison to 2022, with many farms close to a break-even scenario. Farmers need to manage these risks carefully in 2023, and to discuss this, I'm delighted to be joined by Shay Phelan and Kieran Collins, both tillage specialists in Chagas. Kieran, it's been a very difficult autumn. What sort of area has been planted this autumn in comparison to other years? The northeast probably fared a little better, I suppose, having the advantage of maybe being able to sow a little bit earlier. And I think the weather probably played ball a little bit better in October than it did for, for growers further south, you know. Um, I suppose to start with winter barley, I mean, we've been looking in around 70 odd thousand hectares there in 21 and 22. Um, our own Chagas estimate is probably somewhere in around the 50, 52,000 hectares. Um, now, certainly probably near normal, maybe maybe from the northern half of the country, but down south, there was two factors. One, the weather didn't allow it, but certainly there was a reluctance as well to sow winter barley because I suppose winter barley yields in the previous harvest hadn't been brilliant and also high yields achieved in spring barley. So, you know, when the weather didn't oblige, I think that was a big factor. Wheat, I think, probably will creep up to maybe in excess of 50 up to 55,000 hectares from you know the the average there be kind of between 55 and 60 depending on on weather so wheat will recover a lot of it very little oats sown um but again that normally gets sown in in the spring when it's not sown in the autumn but i suppose the real big uh crop increase this year is coming oil seed rape i suppose we're we're estimating somewhere just short of 20 odd thousand hectares couple of factors there michael the weather at the time uh, was suitable for sowing there in the end of August. The the fields were cleared because of, of the good harvest weather and the potential margins that are there from oilseed rape. There's very good forward price and offer. So oilseed rape looks um, to be a good bet this year and farmers reacted to that. Okay. Shay, it looks like given the fact that there are a number of those crops that Kieran outlined there, there, there there's kind of holes if you like. The oats was down quite a bit. Winter barley's down quite a bit in comparison to where it would have been the year before. And as we mentioned um, uh, last week, there's a, an increased area overall. So I suppose there's more planting to be completed in the spring. D- d- do you think there is going to be enough seed there to cover that uh, extra planting to be done? Yeah, Michael, I, I think there should be enough. I, I can't see why there wouldn't. I mean, seed crops were same as every other crop last year uh, in that they yielded above average so there's you know the quality and the quality was good so there should there shouldn't be an issue um kieran mentioned there that you know winter wheat probably will will be around fifty five thousand hectares but there's probably still a good bit of that seed on farms and traditionally what tends to happen in years like this is that some of that winter wheat seed gets sown in the spring up until mid-february certainly up, up further north you go they, they tend to sow it that little bit better or that bit a bit later because it tends to yield better than, than spring barley um, and the other crop there that that probably there's there's there, I I can see plenty of seed being around is is spring oats. Normally between winter and spring oats we saw somewhere around twenty five thousand hectares, and there that's kind of a fluid situation because you have typically 
typically uh, Isabel and Husky are the two varieties that you that you sow, which are suitable for spring sowing as well. So those those varieties will be sown in the spring. Um, as well as that, I would say again with likes of beans and and, and peas, I will see I would see there being being enough seed around for those crops as well. So I can't really see there being a shortage of seed for spring planting at this stage. Okay. And Shay, the, when you mentioned beans there, the uh, there's changes we're now into a new cap regime for 2023. Um, there's a number of changes coming along there in terms of the protein payments. You might maybe outline to what, what, what they are and do you think uh, on the outside of that then are those changes uh, driving more people towards beans? Yeah, I think, look, it is a, it's a good news story, Michael, in terms of the support that the European Union are for homegrown proteins. Um, and I'm glad to say that the department have announced an increase in the payment for proteins this year. So there's there's going to be a kitty of 7 million euros uh, this year or 2023 for, 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 for protein payments. So how does that affect growers? Well, the minimum payment for growers will be about 350 euros a hectare, which is up from 250, which is the kind of standard payment that people would have had for the last number of years. And I suppose the, the rate then get that they can get paid depends on the overall acreage that's planted the same as previous years. So, you know, in, you could potentially be seeing a payment of anywhere from 350 to maybe even up to 500 euros a hectare. So when you think of or when you look at the cost returns book and you see what the cost of planting proteins, be it peas or beans, the, the protein payment goes a long way towards covering the input costs for those crops. So I think it's 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 a very positive signal to the market for 2023. Okay. And um, Kieran, just coming back to you then, 2022 gone out was a tough, tough year in terms of the increased cost, just massive increases in fertilizer, as we know, and certainly diesel was the other one. Um, do you think that some of those might ease back in 2023 or are we looking at something similar or maybe worse? Hopefully not. Yeah, we're, we're, we're facing into a difficult season, Michael, because I think if we look back on 22, there would have been a good share of fertilizer on farm at kind of reasonable fertilizer prices last spring. Whereas now most people are like, it's a level playing field now, you know, people are in the market looking for fertilizer. So, you know, I suppose some of the costs last year in the fertilizer end of it may not have been there because of that. Whereas now it's, we're going to the full on costs. And, you know, when you look at the likes of Canet, 800 to 850 plus, you know, and urea maybe hitting 900, 1,000 euro, you know, those costs are, go are going to be there for everyone. So, so fertilizer, obviously being one of our biggest costs, that, that, that is going to be there. I suppose the other one then following on from the high grain prices, we've seen an increase in seed, you know, anything from 130 to 150 euros a ton. Uh, and then you mentioned machinery. And again, I suppose fuel obviously being a big part of that, that that's fluctuated quite a bit up and down. But it's it's certainly going to be on average a little bit higher as well. In our figures, we've kind of factored in a 5% increase in machinery costs. That may be higher by the time we we, we get to the spring. Um, and then you have the other one of, of, of all ke chemicals or sprays, you know. Um, in our provisional figures, we we factored in a 10% increase across the board there. Uh, again, I suppose that's to be determined fully, but certainly it will be more expensive than last year, it looks like anyway, Michael. Okay, so geez, a tough year kind of thing all around. So geez, farmers are going to need, a, <laughs> by the sound of that, kind of the yields of 2022 to try and cover that. But given kind of the average yield that farmers might expect year to year or, or should plan for, I suppose, 
what sort of prices are needed to cover those kind of costs? Yeah, we, we had a look at this in our tillage form last September and, and more recently as well. And if you take sort of, just say, take winter wheat for argument's sake, at a, at a, at a five-year average yield in around 10 tonnes per hectare, your, 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 your four-tonne crop, um, you know, you're looking at the cost that I was talking about there somewhere in the region of 220, 225 euros a tonne. Um, that sort of to 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 co- that that to cover your costs, you know. So I mean, look, if you look at last year's harvest price, if you got that again, certainly that can work. But then, you know, when you look at the forward prices going at the moment, that that certainly gets very very tight. Um, and spring barley would be something similar, you know, five year average yield there's in around seven point three tons per hectare. You know that 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 would be looking at a cost two fifteen two sixteen euros a ton to to cover your costs. So you know we do need good yields and good price to follow on from that, you know, to to get out this time, Michael. And and, and the cost of, of grain needed excludes the price of straw uh, and, and the price of straw there is to pay for all the other costs that we're not talking about being the fixed costs. Yeah, your fixed costs on the farm, which, you know, they don't go away and, you know, I suppose they're they're significant as well. So, you know, you need to, to, to keep an eye on that one as well. Yeah, certainly. So, Shay, it's a shaping up to be a very risky year in 2023. What sort of measures can farmers take to try and reduce some of those risks? I suppose one lesson that we would have learned, Michael, from 2022 is not to have all your eggs in the one basket. And I suppose that's the first protocol in terms of reducing your risk that you you spread your crops uh, you spread your you spread out your range of crops, so no, no one crop is 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 going to be your or you're not going to be reliant on one one single crop. Um, be it that you know you you can actually do that this year, but I suppose that that kind of broad range of cropping. Some years you'll have some crops to perform well, and others don't. So that kind of helps to reduce the risk in one way. Um, another way that we can actually do it is to to look at forward selling and. Um, I was at a forum recently where we're showing that, you know, the, the poorest time to sell or generally the, the time when the prices are at their lowest is at harvest time. So if if we traditionally do as we've done before and we wait till harvest time before we fix our prices or agree our prices with our merchants, that generally tends to be the lowest point in terms of the price for for grain. I, I, I can hear price. I can hear lads screaming at the at the at the at their whatever device they're using to listen to you kind of saying Jesus Shay that's not the case at all. This year the best price was that harvest. Look, it's after it's gone yeah. fifty like fifty euros a ton since. Yeah, it's it's but that's rare. An anomaly it's is rare. it? It's an anomaly, Michael, and that's that's rare. Um, more often than not, if you look at the trends and you look look at the statistics. September tends to be the the time when the price is at its lowest. So you know, and and again, I mean, if you don't take a price between now and then, you're taking a risk. You're making a decision that you're not going to sell. People will often say forward selling is a risky business. Not selling is equally equally risky. But at least you know that if you sell now, you know you can you know whether you're making a profit or not. And if you make a profit, well, you know you're not losing money. So I think that's that's key in terms of trying to reduce the risk. A um, couple of other things that people can look at uh, again in terms of our soil tests. And um, Kieran was mentioned earlier. We have to do soil tests, so we have to we have to look and see can we can we act on those soil tests. So if 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 we're high in P and K, are there are there fields that we can actually reduce down our reliance on on fertilizer? So actually reducing down our costs in that in that in that regard. The other thing that I think that we can need to have a look at, and, and I think it's everything something people can, can be doing over the next couple of weeks, is look at your winter crops at the moment and seeing what state they're in. 
Um, a lot of crops are not as good as we would like them to be in terms of there's there's patches missing, there's bare patches, and they generally don't tend to yield. So I think between now and maybe the end of January or maybe certainly before work starts in February, farmers need to get out into those crops and make decisions about what to do with those crops, whether to stick with them or whether to actually re-sow them in some cases, which might need to be the case. Because ultimately, if you're trying to produce a crop that's not going to yield, you know, good yields at, you know, maybe more modest prices than where we were this time or, or last year, or last harvest, well, then the risks are, are getting substantially higher. So we need every crop to yield as best as it possibly can to mitigate against that risk. As I say, it's the average yield across the farm. It's not the highest yield you're going yes. to go for. It's the average yield yes. is going to pay, 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 pay its way. Exactly. Karen, coming back to you, there, we're heading into a new regime. We're finishing up the last seven years. We're starting out another seven years with the, the new CAP 2023. But also on top of that, at the same time, uh, is the new nitrates rules. Perhaps there's a few areas there you might outline that, that farmer, tillage farmers really need to have a look at or keep their eye on as they head into 2023. Yeah, Michael, we could do we could do two podcasts on 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 all the changes in 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 one way. But maybe if I could just kind of highlight maybe three or four just kind of key ones maybe for the spring. I think the first one has to be soil test report. Uh, previously, if you didn't have a, an up to date soil test report, you could assume index three for phosphorus. Now, if in the absence of a soil test report, you assume index four. So that's a crucial one, really, in terms of of your 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 phosphorus allowance for crops so you know get a get a soil test done make sure you have enough then for the farm um ideally one sample per four hectares you can push that to a max of five if uh, if the ground is 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 fairly uniform um i suppose another just couple of ones where where the fertilizer database is expected early in the new year so again that's just something where you know you have to count when you when you you buy your fertilizer you give your herd number and and that's all accounted for so just just to be aware of that as well um and then just maybe a small bit around around buffer buffer zones um I mean, in the nitrates, you have to keep out two meters from the top of a, a bank of a watercourse that's marked on the OSI 1 to 5000 map. Now, part of the conditionality is actually three meters. So that that will we assume will it will turn into three meters uh, across the board. So just to watch that one when plowing in the spring and then for late harvested crops. So the likes of your maize or beet that buffer zone increases to six metres. So again, just to be aware of, of, of that one. For, so just for on the, that, Kieran, that's, the, that's three metres plus another three metres, or is it three metres plus six metres? Six metres in total, six metres from the top of the bank. Yeah, yeah, okay. six metres. So you've, you've three in a normal course of events, and then we're, we're, there's another three making six for, for late harvested crops. Okay. Um, and then maybe just one final one, Michael, on, 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 on those new changes that people mightn't be fully aware of yet is the eco scheme measures. So we get our, our BIS payment, but also then there, there's an additional payment that we get uh, per depending on the number of hectares on your farm for these eco scheme measures. So I think space for nature will be one that a lot of people will be targeting. Um, you can go into your egg food and actually see see what level you have there. You know, up to 7% will give you one. And if you can get up to 10, you'll get your two eco scheme measures from that. You need two. Um, a, a lot of people as well will maybe use the, the use of GPS control fertilizer spreaders or GPS control sprayers. Uh, they, they they will count as, as a measure as well. There's a 
soil sampling measure. If you have um, planting break crops, up to 20% of your arable area is another one. But I suppose what I'm trying to say there is you need to study those, see see if you can fit in to, that you can get your two measures um, there fr from those. And if you can't, you, you kind of need to look at and, and see what you can do because, you know, every part of your payment obviously is is vitally important. Yeah, so there's a bit of planning to be done, and and I presume quite a bit of that planning is going to happen in conjunction with the the, the farm advisor. Is there anything farmers should do maybe over the next couple of months, and uh, maybe over Christmas and a bit of time, or into January, which would be a quieter month to try and prepare for all of these changes that are coming at farmers? Yeah, I suppose firstly in terms of of the cap changes, I we'd expect the the system to open up in in February March, and you know that normally continues up to the middle of May. But like just to remember, you know, there's no point coming into your advisor in 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 early May, say for argument's sake, and looking at the eco scheme measures because there may be it may be beyond what you can do at that stage. So I think certainly the eco scheme measures need to be considered now. Work out what you're going to do. Maybe you need to plant trees or maybe you need to do soil sampling so just have it clear in your mind you know in january and february the early part of the spring how you're going to qualify for the eco scheme measures and i suppose the second one then is back to the soil testing again and obviously the cost of fertilizer just make sure there's a nutrient management plan on the farm that you know how much fertilizer you can purchase and you know how much you can apply in each crop based on on the soil test reports i think that's that's important to to get that done early in the year just remembering that there's a, a fertilizer database um on on the way as well you know so I suppose just on that point, people will be caught pretty, pretty badly if they haven't an idea and are over applying, uh, I suppose, maybe the difference is uh, in 2023, the department will probably be able to tell farmers more accurately what they bought than themselves. So it's a, it's one, one to really watch. Yeah, we just need to plan for it. Yeah, just get the nutrient management plan done. And look, it's nobody wants to spend more money on fertilizer that they need to anyway, you know. Brilliant. Look, Kieran uh, and Shay, all very good areas to look for for farmers. It's uh, work never stops, as they say, and one year rolls into another kind of quick enough. So, guys, look, we're really looking forward. I certainly am looking forward to next year, and hopefully it'll be as good in terms of the harvest as 2023. Thanks again for all your help over the overseas, lads, and uh, we'll be talking to you in the new year. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for this week. And my thanks, as always, to Shay and Kieran for joining me in the podcast this week. I want to wish you and your family a very happy Christmas. And I hope that we'll chat to you next Thursday where we will chat to Ben Hatton from Farm Plan about the new Gatekeeper Cloud Crop Recording Programme. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed this podcast then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.